hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. This is the last day of summer school. So far, we've talked about planning for the future and the importance of having a financial plan in place. And last week, we talked about the different tools you can use when you're doing your research and picking stocks for your portfolio. But now, now we need to talk about your asset allocation. You know, how much you should have in stocks, bonds, and cash. During the first part of the series, I talked about having the three buckets of savings. The first bucket was the money you need for the emergencies or the money you're going to need in the short term. And when I say short term, I mean within the next three years or so. That money, that money shouldn't be invested. That's the money you need to know is going to be there when you need it. That money needs to be tucked away in a savings account or a money market, maybe even some CDs. Yes, you're not going to earn much on it, but it's going to be there when you need it. And then there's the investment accounts and the retirement accounts. These are the ones that you're going to need to meet your intermediate and longer term needs, like buying a house or retiring. I'm always asked, what's the right asset allocation? And you know what? There is no one answer. The answer is, is the one that's going to best meet your needs. And the only way you're going to know that is by having a good, solid financial plan in place. Some people just go out and use the old rule of thumb, which I don't recommend. But the rule is, is you take 100, you subtract your age, and that's how much you should have in equities or stocks. But let's think about this for a second. If you're 50, so 100 minus 50 is 50. Even I can do that math. If you use the old rule of thumb, you would have 50% of your assets in stocks and 50% in income. Now, is that going to work? Let's do some rough math here. Half of your portfolio is in stocks. So let's presume you're getting market type returns. And let's just, for the sake of argument, say that's 7%. And the other income investments are generating at 3% because interest rates are so low. That means your portfolio is averaging about 5% a year. This is all hypothetical, of course. Is a 5% rate of return enough for you? Well, it might be. Some people have the game won and all they need to do is protect their uh, assets and what they have. And other people may need more. And we haven't even talked about inflation. Inflation has been averaging somewhere around 2%. So if the cost of living is increasing by 2% every year and you're getting 5% on your portfolio, you're increasing your purchasing power by about 3% a year. This is something you need to think about. This is something you need to account for in your plan. My point is, to come up with the right asset allocation for you and your family, you need to have a good plan in place. And once you have that, you'll be able to decide how much you should have in stocks, income, and cash. 
once you know what your portfolio needs to do for you to get you from where you are to where you want to be, you can work backwards from there. You can look at what bonds have averaged historically. You can look at what stocks have averaged over time. And then you can come up with a somewhat reasonable asset allocation. If you need help, give us a call. Our number is 301-770-5234. Always happy to help you. Let's talk a little bit about the compensation. You decided how much you need in cash. That's straightforward. But let's talk about the income side in the stocks. Notice I said income, not fixed income or bonds. On the income side of things, I'll buy things like REITs and utilities. REITs are real estate investment trusts and utilities. Yes, these are stocks, but I'll include them on the income side. Well, because that's what I'm buying them for. I'm buying them for the income they produce. I break down the income allocation into three parts. Just like my three buckets of money, I have the short term, the intermediate, and the longer term. And I break it down according to maturities. The short term maturity bucket is from now to out maybe three or four years. The inner term fixed income bucket or income bucket is three to 10 years. And the longer term is 10 or more years. Now, how much do you want in each? Yeah, it's going to depend on your view on interest rates. If you think interest rates are going to go up over the next couple of years, you might want to have shorter, in, uh, shorter maturities now. That way, as interest rates go up, you can reinvest at higher rates. Or if you think rates are definitely going down over the next couple of years, you may want to lock in some longer-term maturities. What I would say is don't go all in. I prefer to have a laddered approach. Some in each bucket because, well, you just don't know what's going to happen. Right now, I prefer to have a little bit more in the shorter and intermediate buckets and slightly less in the longer term maturities. For those two, I think you can look at corporate bonds, municipal bonds, if it's a taxable account. You can add some high yield or floating rate securities, but I'd be careful and I'd do it sparingly. They call these junk bonds for a reason. I'd stay focused mainly on quality. This is supposed to be the safer type of money when we're talking about income. And some of the biggest blowups I've seen in my career have come on the income side of things. If you're going to dabble in the high yield area, you should probably do it through some kind of fund. You just don't want to own one or two junk bonds. That's too much risk for me. I wouldn't try to get too slick here. In the longer term bucket, this is where I account for the equities. Like I say, I'm not opposed to buying REITs or utilities for income. Since they're stocks, they don't come due. They don't have maturities. I don't think that there's anything wrong with owning something like an AT&T, which is symbol T here. I'm getting a 6% dividend, and that's what I bought it for. Yeah, I might get some growth, but I really bought it for the income it's going to produce. You could also look at preferred stocks here too, but you really need to do your homework if you do that because, well, a stock is a stock, but each preferred is its own unique animal. They have different call features, different maturities, all different kinds of things. 
So you really need to do your work if you're looking at preferred stocks. So sum up the income side, look at having those three different maturity buckets with slightly more on the shorter to intermediate side and stay focused on quality. Now let's talk about the stock allocation and I'm gonna stick with my three bucket theme here. The three buckets for stocks, you have the core holdings, the longer term trades, and then kind of my catch-all bucket. I like having a good bit in what I call the core holdings. And when I say a good bit, I'm talking about 40, maybe even 50% in core holdings. These are the stocks that you want to buy and own forever. At least that's the thought. These are the great businesses that are going to do well over the long term. These are the Berkshire Hathaways, the Johnson & Johnsons, the Pepsis. These are the businesses that you think are going to be there. If the market goes down, yes, they're probably going to go down, but you probably aren't going to worry too much about them and whether they're going to file bankruptcy or something. If times get tough, people are still going to buy Band-Aids. They're still going to drink their diet Pepsis, and hopefully they're still paying their car insurance. These are what a lot of people call the blue chips, just high quality businesses run by good management teams. Now, the core stocks are different from the second bucket, the longer term trades, as I call them. The longer term trades are more cyclical in nature. Doesn't mean that they aren't good businesses or they aren't run by good managers. It just means that there are times when you want to own them and times when you don't want to own them. They have their ups and their downs. And a good example of this are the oil stocks and the home builders. They go through these natural boom and bust cycles. Usually the holding period for these types of stocks is a year. So you can get long-term capital gains treatment to maybe three, maybe even five years. So I like to have about 50% of my holdings in the core type stocks maybe 30% in the longer term trades. And that leaves me with about another 20% left over, which I use as my catch-all. This 20% I use to augment the rest of the portfolio. In other words, if I feel that I need more international exposure, or maybe I think the emerging markets are going to do well over the next uh, year or so, well, then I might want to add a closed-end fund or something. But no matter what bucket I'm trying to fill, I want to make sure I'm staying value oriented in my approach because you already know that I'm cheap. I like to buy good, high quality businesses when I think that they're inexpensive. And that's not to say that I turn a blind eye on the growth type stocks. I like to have at least 10% of my portfolio in these types of names because there are times when they do well. So. Let's try and wrap all this up. First, you need a good financial plan to know what a reasonable asset allocation might look like for you. You're not going to be able to proceed without it. Everyone is different. And just because that asset allocation is good this year, you want to make sure you're revisiting it at least once a year. Things change. Stay flexible. On the income side, focus on quality and don't make any big all-in bets on the direction of interest rates. For stocks, focus on value and have a good dose of your holdings in what I call the core stocks. And from there, 
you can build on with the longer term trades and those more cyclical types of businesses. And to finish the asset allocation out, you can add the things like the international stocks, gold, emerging markets. If you need help putting together a plan or you have questions about asset allocation, feel free to reach out. You can email me at podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com or call us at 301-770-5234. That's about all we have time for today. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We'll be back next week. You've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.